This is Unplugged, 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 Unplugged. Welcome to this episode of Unplugged. It's been a while since I was on the mic. It's been about three weeks since I recorded anything. So there's a lot on my heart to share. And the last three weeks have been everything have been very everything. I was going to say have been very interesting, but I think they have been very everything. Some of the highlights, some of the things that I'll, that I'll talk about that have really given me new perspective. I, I became an uncle for the first time. Oh, that, that was, that was, uh, it's still unreal. It's the first time I've had a front row seat of uh, being a part of a journey of a little human being coming into this world, seeing them grow in the womb, and then welcoming them into this world. So that has been very interesting. Uh, there have been some highs, there have been some lows, uh, not from that, but from, you know, from life. Uh, there's been a lot of pondering about life and some new life perspectives. Uh, there's also been a lot of uh, thought-provoking interactions with some interesting people. And the first thing that I really want to share or talk about is compassion. I got to admit, there... I... I don't think that I was as compassionate as I have become most, especially within the last three to four weeks. I think I've grown leaps and bounds in this attitude or character of being compassionate. I mean, I can, I can literally feel it in me. It's almost like there's a peace to this puzzle, to, to, to my character that was never really there, or maybe it was there, but it was very tiny. And it's called compassion. I've grown so much in compassion for people in general. I think before my compassion, my compassion fabric was very thin. And I got to be honest here, uh, I think one of the things that uh, I've really also grown in is not being judgmental. I I was very quick previously to judge other people and and where they were and, and, and you know, just judging people and, but when you go through something yourself, and you literally feel like you can't overcome this thing that you're dealing with or that you're going through, except some external help is afforded to you. Um, and in my personal, in my own life, uh, I mean, God has just shown up a couple, just so many times. But, you know, recently just really felt like God coming down 
and taking this thing off of you, off of me, uh, you learn to be compassionate with people. You, you have a new perspective of what it means to go through something and how you get out of that thing really shapes your compassion forever. You learn to be compassionate with people that perhaps the same way you wouldn't have been out of that situation had it not been for someone giving you a hand and sort of like, think of it like you're in a ditch and your only way out is honestly someone stretching out their hand and pulling you up or God supernaturally intervening Look, when you experience that, I think you learn that perhaps the thing or the things that you see other people struggle with, that you see someone else go through, that they likewise are in a position where they need divine help, like you did. They, they're literally in a position where they can't help themselves, that they will be able to help themselves, but at the moment, they their only way out is external help coming and helping them out of this situation and, and giving them a hand and pulling them out of this ditch. So something about life that I'd never really looked at life through a lens of compassion has totally changed things for me. And you know, even if I think I've gotten to a point where even if I know the history of someone's situation and how they might be continuously self-afflicting themselves, I, I, I believe or I, I'm going to try as hard as possible that I will always have compassion for them. Because the compassion that I will show them in this situation, at least I'll always have benefit of the doubt. I will always try to give someone benefit of the doubt that perhaps they just don't know any better. Perhaps they just don't know any better. You know, so I, I, I am still, it's almost like I still owe them compassion and saying, I'm not going to judge you for what you're dealing with, for what you're struggling with, because you just haven't figured out a way on how to overcome that situation. There are certain things that you do not know about that situation. And perhaps you're doing your very best, but you've just, the, what you know and what you have access to just can't get the job done. So you're limited in some capacity. So. I think it's inherent to me to afford you some compassion. You know, now there are unique cases of pride and arrogance and what the Bible calls, uh, what the Bible calls a, a hardened heart where you just refuse to believe something. You know, these people who are outright stubborn and they just refuse to change or accept any advice or do things differently 
because they're arrogant and and they just have no fear or reverence you know they probably think that they know better than everyone know more than everybody else you know even for unique and extreme cases like this i think i've reached a point where for someone like this i will instead of still saying oh I'm still going to judge you. I'm still going to, you know, point a finger at you. You know, I think I've reached a point where at least I'll just pray for them. That one day they'll see the light. Something about compassion. And it's, it's this thing about Jesus also that I think really throughout his whole ministry, it's very interesting because he had access to power. You know, he was, he was still God, but existing as man. So at any point, even one of this, in one, in one scenario, he said, no man can kill me. You know, like I lay down my life. Jesus went to the cross willingly. He submitted. He did it. He did that because there was, there's something bigger that he was going after. You know, he could have easily gotten off that cross. He could have easily, he said, I could call 12 legions of angels and they would just smash all of you in one second. All of you could be destroyed in one second. But to see how he interacted with the people of the land, and I'm now just seeing it, the biggest, I think, character that Jesus exhibited is he had compassion. He had compassion even on people who were outright doing wrong. He had compassion when they brought to him um, the woman who was caught in adultery. And according to the law of Moses, she had to be stoned. He had compassion on her. He had compassion on the woman at the well who had been with five men and was currently in a relationship with a man who was not even her husband. He had compassion on people that were sick. People had been tormented by demons. He had compassion on, on Mary Magdalene, who was possessed by, I believe, seven devils. Um, he just, he was moved with compassion. And it that's why he just was good to people. And even though he was in a position to judge them and condemn them, he didn't choose that path. There's something about having the authority or being in a position where you can point a hand at someone and say, you're dumb, you're stupid, you're in the wrong. Uh, this is your fault. This is... But compassion is this side where you have you have full right to say all those things, but you don't because you have compassion. You, it's almost like you clothe this person with love. And that's a love of compassion. Where you, in your heart, instead of judging the person, instead it just breaks you down and you're like, oh my goodness. I can't believe that person is so far gone. Like you start looking at their situation and saying, 
oh my goodness, like what can I do to help them? Or like, I really wish they knew better. Not from a judgmental perspective, but from a heart of, of mercy and just of, yeah, the only word to describe it is a heart of compassion. You know, and it's very interesting. For instance, I'm drinking some coffee right now. Sometimes I drink coffee, but I'm just going to read just a few passages here and you can see the stage of compassion being set up and, and how Jesus really this compassion attitude and character was something that I think gravitated out of him. He had compassion on the people that society looked down upon. You know, the people that were called sin, you know, the publicans, the tax collectors, prostitutes, the people that society said, I don't want anything to do with that person. Jesus was drawn to those people. And so they would often critique him and say, how can you be righteous and, leave, and be with the unrighteous, right? And, and Jesus said, I am not come, but for the lost. I am not come, but for the sick. In essence, he's saying, it will be useless for me who's righteous to come and spend all my existence, all my time here on earth with people who are, who are healthy, who are wealthy, who are uh, in perfect condition. No, no, no. He said, I am come for people who are broken, people who are poor, people who are put to shame, people who have been condemned by society. Those are the people that Jesus came for because those people, the reason they are like that is because they've gone through certain things in life that perhaps those things pushed them to the brink they push them to become a drug addict. They push them to become not sure even about their identity, whether they are a man or a woman. You know, they've pushed them to become a murderer. They've pushed them to become uh, mean and hateful and arrogant and prideful. Those are the people that Jesus came for. So, there's a scene in the Bible. This is from, there's just about three passages and I just want to talk about, and then we can really, I can really share more about compassion and how my compassion has really grown like in the last couple of weeks. You know, there's a scene in the Bible here in, in Matthew chapter nine, you know, it, it talks about in Matthew chapter nine, verse 35, it says, in fact, the, the, the subtitle is, Jesus's compassion. And it goes on to say, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. This is in verse 36. It's so beautiful. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion 
on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Wow. It says, when he saw the multitudes, this was like thousands and thousands of people. And he's, you, you picture it like he's coming up, like he's seeing a group of people everywhere he's going. It says, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. Uh, this word can also mean they were sick, they were broken, they were weak, and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then he said unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. That's so powerful. That's wow. He was moved with compassion. And then here's another instance when we see this character of compassion coming out of him. This is in, again, this is in Matthew chapter 14, uh, around verse 14. It, it says, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. He was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. So it's now evening time. It's going into, it's, it's kind of like evening time, starting to get dark. The disciples were telling him, send the multitude away that they go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. That's old English for food. But Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they, and they, and they said unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed and brought them and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments, the remain 12 baskets full. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. So the scene that we read about in the Bible the famous five loaves and two fish story is we see where it comes out of. It came out because of Jesus, a man, because he was moved with compassion. So once again, there was so many people around him, but he was moved with compassion. So he taught them about the gospel after that, he healed all their sickness and diseases. And after that, it was a very long day for them. So all these people are seated down. And so it's about being like a desert place. And his disciples, you can clearly see 
their fabric of compassion stopped maybe at lining them up to bring them to the feet of Jesus to be healed or whatever. But evidently they, they just, they just didn't know any better. They like, they, they didn't have foresight of compassion or insight into compassion to the degree in which you can go. So for them, they're like, okay, these people are healed. Just send them away. Our job is done. And he's saying, no, these people have been with me all day. It's nighttime. It's evening. No, they, they don't need to go anywhere. You know, and now they, they, you know, maybe some of them didn't even have money to buy food. So he's saying, no, 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 no. So let all, let, let all of them sit down. And that's when he performed the miracle of turning the five loaves and two fish into feeding over 5,000 men. He says there's about 5,000 men minus women and children. So easily this could have been 20,000 people, you know. And it all started with him being moved with compassion. It all started with him being moved with compassion. And then you see the same story. I, I like how um, it also reads in another translate, in, in, you know, according to the Gospel of Mark. Here in Mark chapter 6, we see the same story. But once again, it's it's a very, like the stage of compassion. You can see how the stage of compassion is set up. It says, first of all, this one's very cool. We have some new insight in this one because it talks about, and the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things both what they had done and what they had taught. So previously, before this happened, Jesus had called out the 12 disciples, right? After he had selected his 12, you know, in, 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 in a previously just before that, he had called unto him the 12 and began to send them forth two by two. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. This is at the beginning of, the, of Mark chapter six, verse seven. And he gave them power over unclean spirits and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but be short with sandals and not put on two coats. And he said, whatsoever place you enter into a house, there abide till you depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you, when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. So, and, and the disciples went out and preached that men should repent. And the disciples cast out many devils and anointed with oil, many that were sick and healed them. So these disciples had just come back from an assignment. Now, again, you're going to see compassion for his disciples and compassion for the multitude. So the disciples had gone out, you know, they had an assignment. They went out into the villages and cities and they were preaching and teaching and healing people and all of that. So when they came back, 
they gathered themselves unto Jesus. So now this is Mark chapter 6, verse 30. And told him all the things that they had done and what they had taught. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Wow. So he knew that they were exhausted. He knew that they were tired. So he tells him, okay, they tell him all these things and says, no, 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 come. Come and rest up as well. But he goes to say, for they were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much to eat. So now so many people had surrounded uh, them, right? Many people were flocking at Jesus. And so these disciples were so tired, man, when they came back, they didn't even have time to eat because so many people were coming and going. So Jesus says, no, no, no. Okay, now come separate yourselves into here. Just rest for a bit. Right? So then they left and departed into a desert place by the sheep privately. Again, compassion. Because saying, I don't want you guys to burn out. But it says the people saw them departing. And many knew him and run afoot thither out of all cities and out went them and came together unto him. So the people are like, they are like, they don't care that the disciples are tired. They don't care. Jesus is also probably tired. They're like, they saw them leave and they're like, no, 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 no. You're not just going to go away easily. So many people, it's, it's almost like the numbers doubled because they saw them departing and many knew him and like, uh-oh. There he goes, and they ran on foot out of all cities and out went them and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them. Okay, his disciples have just been out doing work, just turning, you know, things around they come back there's still a lot of people who are gathered around jesus and jesus is, you know they're working on them still working on them jesus says okay you guys i don't want you to burn out i don't want you to tire out he says let's first go somewhere so that you can rest as they do that they head into a desert place people see them and they chase after them on foot and so as Jesus comes out of the boat, of the ship, he sees all of these people. And once again, he's tired. You know, he and his disciples, they've been working. And he's moved with compassion toward them. Because the scripture says here, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now first spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country roundabout and into the villages and buy, and buy themselves bread. For they have nothing to eat. But Jesus answered and said unto them, you give them something to eat. <laughs> now, when you read another gospel, it says Jesus 
say this to them for he himself knew what he was going to do. But he was in essence testing the disciples saying, no, no, no. Why are you sending these people away? You give them something to eat right now. The disciples said unto him, shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? He said unto them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. And when they knew, they said five loaves and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken up the five loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took about 12 baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And all that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men, not counting women, of course, and children. There is something so beautiful in this, this whole thing of compassion. It, it just moves you to have mercy, it moves you to do something, to not, to act in a certain way towards someone. So, and and so I've, I've, I've just, I've had a whole, like a new mental heart, mind, I believe transformation into this whole thing called compassion. And, and we don't have much compassion right now in the world. We don't have much compassion right now in the world. And I can see why this was so effective in Jesus's ministry. We don't have much compassion in the world right now. You know, uh, I believe on a, on, a, on a local scale, individually, we're all supposed to have compassion. We should all be moved with compassion. And I think one of the things that is defeating us right now as a world is, you know, people in authority, leaders, people who have the capacity to do something. I don't think a lot of people moved with compassion because there's a lot of decisions people will make and pledge allegiance to the wrong decision, to the wrong uh, policy being done by their political party and side with it, even when they know it's not, it's not good. It's because they just don't have compassion and empathy. I, I, I now see it just from my own personal life. I can see how I, because of compassion, I can see why I would be moved, even though I had the capacity to do something extravagant, why I would be moved by compassion not to move in that direction, even if I had all authority to be extravagant. 
and instead put that and support someone else. You can only do that if you've if you see life through this this lens of compassion. Something about compassion that I can't even explain it, but it, I, I've just been swelled up with compassion. I, I just really want to challenge you to to start looking at life through this lens of compassion. It really affects the decisions you you know you 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 are able to make. You know I'm 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 not throwing stones at you know I'm just using different examples. Uh, I've already called myself out that I really I'm seeing that I because of compassion I I, I can make different decisions. Um, but let's say you can look how can you have let's say in all these big cities of ours, you know, like, yes, some people have made wrong decisions and ended up homeless on the street and, you know, messed up their lives. And, and, and yes, you know, maybe you have the right, they, 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 maybe they deserve it. Maybe, but yes, they could even deserve it. Maybe they deserve to be there. Maybe because of their wrong decisions. Yes, the, yes, we know all of that. Yes, 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 yes. But compassion says, as a mayor, as a president, as a governor, it just says, it's just not right for so-and-so to be on the street and, and just be lying down there and, and suffering even though they brought it upon themselves. Like Jesus was not the one who put sickness and disease on these people who put torments from the devil and all these things. But he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. So compassion says, I have full authority to say you deserve the situation, you deserve to be in the situation you are. You put yourself in that situation. You you messed up. You did this. You did this. Compassion says, even though I have full authority, and I am in the right to say all of those things about you, or to let you stay in your misery, compassion says, come out. I'll help you out of it, because I know it's not a good place to be. It's not a good place to be. That's the heart of compassion. So we could, you could be, let's say San Francisco, Silicon Valley, or all these cities where that, that are technology hubs or tourist destinations or things like this. And you could be building a, $10 billion company and driving past homeless people, people are in need, people in this, people in that. Yes, it's okay. Um, I, I, and I think this is the problem is, uh, I'm, I'm not siding with the people who say, oh, 
being a billionaire is wrong or the one percent or these and these and this and 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 trying to make it like for someone to be rich or wealthy or you know be worth a billion dollars or or do this and have that that it's wrong i'm just saying if we could only approach life through how jesus did it i mean if only we could all pick up a posture of compassion from us, everybody at their level of influence. Like you can, this world will be different. You know? Yes, maybe you've sold enough goods and products that according to the, uh, the agreements within your company, yes, you've earned as a CEO being paid $30 million a year. Maybe yes, you've earned it and you're in the right and it's, and you've, yes. But compassion says, you know what? These are fellow human beings. I'm going to take next year's salary and just say, I am going to help these people. I'm, I'm just going to deal with this situation. Yes, the government should do it. The, someone else should do it. You elected, your politician should do it. Compassion says, you know what? I'm going to take one for the team. That's compassion. Political parties. Yes, I get it. You're you're a, a you're a conservative. You're a, a Republican. You're you 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 are this. You are that. Yes, you know you've sworn the oath to to. You've pledged allegiance. You you are within the police force, and and you have to side with fellow police officers. And you know there's this code of like, you know we're all one, and we I get it. But compassion says, you know what? It's it's just not right to treat a human being like that. You know what? What what this political party, what my political party is doing is wrong. I'm gonna have empathy on people. That's compassion. That's empathy. So on my own scale and level, I'm, because you know what I've realized? You know, life can be hard sometimes. You know, there's, just like you see in this scripture, it says Jesus taught them many things because they didn't know. People didn't know that their oppression was from the devil that sickness and disease was more spiritual, that there was, there was spirits of sickness, spirits of disease oppressing them, mental illness. People just didn't know. So when Jesus walks up a mount, sees, walks up the hill, he sees a multitude of people and he says, oh my goodness. Like he's so in shock of the despair he's seeing on people's faces, of the hunger, spiritual hunger and physical hunger. 
and these people who are blind, these people who are diseased, these people who are tormented with mental health, these people who are deaf, these people who can't walk. I mean, and he says they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he says he's moved with compassion. Then he starts to teach them many things. After that, he goes on to heal all their sicknesses, sicknesses and diseases. And then after that, he goes on to, to feed them and perform a miracle, to feed them. And say, no, 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 I don't even want you to go back home. And now you start looking for food. You start, you start borrowing money to do this. No, no, no. He is moved with compassion. You know, I, I, I don't know, like um, compassion transcends politics. Compassion transcends you deserve to be um, um, persecuted. It, it was because God had compassion. His compassion came out of love. That's why John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave. God looked upon a world that had been destroyed by Satan. And he was moved with compassion and said, I must do something else. All these people will perish. You know, these two generations that God swept away with a flood. There was a flood in the beginning. And then when you read Genesis 1, 1 says the earth was now form and void and the waters were upon the face of the deep. Uh, 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 the spirit moved along the faces of the deep. The when he when he when the second flood happened that swept away the second creation during Noah's time. The reason God created the rainbow, He said, "I'll put a bow in the sky that will always remind me not to afflict, not to destroy, not to show my wrath upon man." with a flood in such extreme manner. You know why he did that? He was moved with compassion, not to destroy the sinfulness of man. And, and it says, when you, when you read in Genesis 6, it says, when God saw the evil that was upon this world, it says he repented of having ever created man. Can you imagine? He was at a point where he was like, why did I even create this thing that has turned into so much filth that he couldn't even open his eyes to look at it? It was that bad. And so, fast forward, he's moved with compassion. He so loved the world. He was so compassionate. Yes, we all deserve to perish because it says these non-righteous all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is non-righteous. But he was moved with compassion. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And now people are talking, I've had some interactions, I had an interesting interaction. This is a perfect segue into another thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, I had a discussion, an interaction with a, 
with a gentleman who used to be homeless. And now he's living in a, it's sort of like a homeless shelter, but he's been upgraded because he's, I guess he's realigning himself. And so he's being moved to different part of the home of the shelter. So anyway, we're talking and I just got to asking him, I said, are you, you know, cause I always walk past him and, and uh, when I'm going on one of my walks and he, he's always seated in the same place, you know, smoking his weed and like with a very fixated, with a look fixated on something. Sometimes you walk past him and he's not even moving. And I, you can see him from a distance as you're approaching him. He's, you can almost be, you can almost think that he's like a statue. He won't even be moving, like flinching at all. So I always walk past him. And anyways, I, I, I had a, you know, I decided, I was like, okay, you know, let me talk to this guy, see what he's about. So anyway, we go to talking and, and eventually the conversation got to, you know, things about spirituality and this and that. And, and, and he, he said, he's, you know, he's believing in this, I don't know, religion or whatever it's called or, or Shintao, Shitsoism, something like that. Shotism, Shinsoism. Anyways, something that talks about things have energy and this and that and all energy everyone's for everyone's obsessed with this god of energy 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 and anyway so i'm like i said you know what it's real interesting i said yeah everything has life in it and even if you look at quantum mechanics it'll show you that even a table that you might look at as a solid thing that has no life in it at its molecular level those molecules are moving they still have life to you it might look like a piece of dead wood but it still has life in it so energy is not destroyed it's just combated into one form so i said yeah i said yeah energy i said of course all these things everything has life in it you know uh god created all these things and so anyways he he took a little bit of offense to to the god thing and he started to say oh like you know like if <laughs> there's there's this theme that I keep running across of people who have this rage at God and it's almost like on one hand they're saying well if you're all power all knowing all these all these all these why do you let that happen but on the other hand they ignore the fact that God has given man his own willpower. You can absolutely, like God could want you to do something that is good, but your willpower could lead you to do something that is bad. And God will let you, like God is not, like, like if you want to like take him up on his suggestion on how to approach a certain situation, he's always there to guide you. But if you feel like you do not need him, he just lets you go because he's given you willpower to do what you want. That's why people don't go to hell for sinning. People go to hell for rejecting Jesus Christ, the free gift of salvation. 
and people will be surprised. And I know this, this is crazy. And some people will probably just be mad and just like, you could even curse me out. But here's the truth. There's a lot of good people in hell. And there's a lot of bad people in heaven. You know why the bad people ended up in heaven? Because they realized that they would never just like they they just would never attain any righteousness they the 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 bad people you consider who are bad here on earth that ended up in heaven or will end up in heaven is because at certain point they will realize that listen i need to be saved from me and if there is a savior and if you tell me that this jesus guy can save me sign me up I, I am all because they just accept that they're just not good enough. You know, like they're, they're just not worthy. You know, there's a story in the Bible where two people go up to pray. One was a publican and the other one was a tax collector. Now, the publican was one of those people who was like a Pharisee. You know, he was one of the people who was the law giver. You know, the people who was in charge of making sure people don't break the law and this and that. And when he went up to pray, he basically said, oh, God, look at me. I am not like that sinner over there. I, you know, I don't do this. 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 The other person knew his situation. He said, Lord, I am not even worthy to be in your presence. I am a sinner. Please help me. I have messed up. I've, I've not been good enough. I've, I've fallen short of the glorious standard of God. Help me. Save me. Deliver me. And Jesus taught, used, taught, taught, talked about this story and he said, when they both stood up after their prayer, he said, the sinner, the tax collector, went away more justified than this other person. And that's what we have in this world. We have a group of people who think, you know, all they do is, is point fingers at other people. All they do is sit in this place that is holier than thou, right? Which is, um, I don't do that, or you are bad. You know, they, they, they look at someone else and, 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 and they say, oh, uh, you know, you look at someone and they're a politician and, and let's say they say they believe in God, but you see them messing up. And for you, you're like, oh, if, 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 you know, if, if, if God likes that person, then I don't want anything to do with God. Because for you, in your mindset, you think that people, you, you don't understand how this world works. You don't understand that we were born into a fallen world. Like we all get here and things, wrong things have happened. There's a burden that we, we, it's almost like we, the moment you come out of the womb, there's a burden called sin nature of man that is waiting for you from the moment you come out of the womb. Basically, you are handed a cross that you had nothing to do with. People are born into generational curses that they had nothing to do with. People walking around with yokes of burden of poverty. Kids are born into regions of poverty that we who have been here 30 years, 40 years, 60 years before they arrived, 
could and should have been and should be able to do something about. And new kids are born every day into a messed up world that we have had something to do with. And they, we are handing them a debt that they had nothing to do with. You know? Like, people, like, life is complex. People rush to conclusions. People are just so quick to be like, oh, oh, uh, you know, this whole thing, oh, God, you know, like, if so-and-so sinned, maybe so-and-so committed adultery, maybe so-and-so stole money, oh, they did this, and but right now, let's say, they say they believe in God, and, and they're still trying to get their act together. And, and and the news shows that this person said these uh, racist things or these disparaging things maybe 10 years ago, and now you want them to lose their whole career because these words, like, like you do not know that maybe that person has repented, you know, that they have grown from that, but you're like, no, 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 you should still pay your sin. You should still pay for your debt. That is self-righteousness. And what I see today is that self-righteousness has driven people away from God. So all these people who, who, who think who are self-righteous and they think they, they are the standard of righteousness because you think uh, 1,000, you know, 10,000 of you can get online and create a trend on Twitter and, and start up a cancel culture movement towards someone. And then once maybe they lose a contract or deal or this or this or that, oh, you feel that 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 you, you you were the moral standard you were gonna get a rude awakening after you die because you realize the people you canceled in this world before they left this world or at a certain point they reached the end of their rope and said i need a savior and those people accepted redemption from jesus christ and they're in heaven and you are gonna wake up after you pass and you're going to be in hell and you're going to be like, oh, my goodness, what is going on here? And it was because of your self-righteousness. Because you, you, you arrived at a conclusion too fast. You thought that it's, it's God who's, who's behind uh, poverty, you know, mistreating people. God's not behind this. So we have a lot of people who have this anger and rage towards God. And, and it's so funny, it, it, it's, it's like, well, are we going to hold people accountable, you know? And, and it, it's, it, again, it goes back into this one other situation where um, you try to pinpoint a whole race as being something because some people of that race do something and somehow your lens of that thing becomes that all of them are like that. No. No. You know, there's, there's this thing that happened in Canada uh, between, this thing that happened in, in Canada between, uh, I was looking at this article because this was one of the conversations I had with this guy <laughs> that was very interesting. And um, It happened between, I believe, uh, I'm, I'm trying to look at it right now, somewhere 1800, yeah, where is that? 
in between, I believe it was 1800, anyway, between the 1800s and early 900s, right? And what happened is there was a group of, in, you know, indigenous children. And anyways, this also last year, this was big. Uh, so this information came out. And anyway, basically what happened is uh, Canadian residential school graves are being um, uncovered. They were uncovered like last year. You know, it's nearly around 1,400 unmarked graves were discovered at residential schools, right? And this was all, you know, a lot of these, you know, were indigenous children, right? Families. And so it says children were removed from their families and not allowed to speak their own language and forced to convert to Christianity. More than 38,000 children were verbally, physically, sexually abused, triggering lifetimes of trauma. Um, according to the TCR report, at least 6,000 indigenous children are thought to have died between 1880s and 1996. As experts in uh, Kamloops hunted down more than 200 anomalies on the 160-acre property across Canada, other First Nations began to question whose lives were quietly snuffed out and buried on their own lands. So and then it talk, goes on to say, that searches at seven former residential schools in British Columbia, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Nova Scotia have turned up nearly 1,400 suspected graves. Okay. This is the evil of man. This is the evil of man. That's what we have to understand. This is the evil of man. So someone, anyway, one of these guys' question was, well, how could a guy, why, you know, why, why wouldn't God stop this from happening? And, um, and, and, and yet he's so concerned about, <laughs> this is so funny. He says, why wouldn't God stop, you know, this, this thing that happened, this tragic thing that happened and be, so concerned about me um, jerking off. <laughs> uh, basically, he was basically trying to say, uh, you know, more something along the lines of, you know, why is he so concerned about, let's say, my morality and jerking off, unless they're probably watching uh, pornography and all of these things. And, and yet something like this that is more egregious is happening. And why wouldn't he do anything about it? You know, so, so you have a lot of this that happens. A lot of people look at life this way and say, you know, what comes, you know, why does my, you know, they, 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 they'll say something like, why does me loving a fellow man or me loving a fellow woman, what, what, you know, what does that have to do with, you know, these other things happening in the world, there's this, there's that. And, <laughs> Anyways, this is 
there's so much that I, I really want to go into, but okay. Let me try my best here. If you do not know the kind of world that you live in, again, if you arrive at conclusions like this, so the the most the most weird thing is that people judge God without even reading his manual. Like you have all these people who have received third-hand information, never read the Bible, never taken time to understand how this world works, who is God, all these things, complexities about life, but you going off of third-hand information, second-hand information, and you start to just come up with these generalizations. And you think that you are now the moral standard. You are the more standard. Well, where did the Ten Commandments come from? Thou shall not kill. Thou shall not uh, be covetous. Thou shall not commit adultery. Thou shall not steal. Where did these things come from? So you have to understand that and, and life is messy. Life is hard. And that's why from a side of compassion is you see people who maybe their parents, their generations, their countries, their presidents, you know, we have, we see this in, in some Africa, in a lot of African countries, people being, you know, subjected to poverty and, and just low standards of living that they, sh they don't have anything to do with because they've been under oppression of an oppressive government, of a corruptive government. There's a yoke that is tied around their necks where, and somehow every election they're deceived, somehow they've lost hope to, to, fight, to stand and, and fight for better. And, and every government that comes on is just like the former. Some of them haven't even had a chance to see new governments come into place. Some of them are even ignorant to the point where they don't even believe that any other leader can even help them out of these situations. So you see generation after generation being born into poverty and lack and need and, and destitute conditions. Now, someone else would look at that and say, well, why isn't God doing something about that? Now, you have to understand that God is doing something about it. God wants to do something about it. God is trying to do something about it. But you have to understand God uses people, gives them the capability to do things. Well, where do you think the, the, the compassion for you to be moved to say, okay, you know what? I'm even going to donate money to this organization that is doing something good. Where do you think that is coming from? Who do you think is giving you that inspiration instead of squandering that money on something else? God is, is, is moving you to do that. This world is so complex that people never really sit down to understand how this world moves. You don't understand how the spiritual realm works with the physical realm, that Satan uses people, God uses people. Read the book. 
read the Bible and you see that in the end, when Satan is cast into the bottomless pit of fire and brimstone and sulfur, that it, it, it shows you a picture of what life begins, of what life begins to be when there's no Satan, when there's no evil in this world, when the evil force has been bound up and put away. It says there's no death, there's no sickness, there's no sorrow, there's no crime, there's no poverty, there's no lack. This world is complicated and you just cannot arrive at conclusions in, in, in just from only one point of view. People are born into messy situations. People are brought, are brought up to hate. That is not God. God is not the one who's telling a family to raise up their next born as a racist. You know, as a prejudice. You know, the scripture, the Bible is clear about the character of God. It says God is not a respecter of man. He's not a respecter of persons. So people read about the character of God in the Bible, but they put that aside and look at what fallen human beings or people who do not even have a full grasp of God, the wrong things that they do and they think that is who God is. Yes, it's unfortunate that this happened to these people, but this directive of evil and massacre of all these indigenous children didn't come from God. No, that is evil. Go and read about the character of God in the Bible. Read about the character of Satan in the Bible as well. You will see that this world has, that, 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 that God cannot exercise right now his all power and override the will of man because he, is, he gave, when he created the earth, he turned it over to mankind. He gave them the will to be, to exist, and to do, to create. He turned the keys over to mankind. Satan took those keys. He took that spiritual authority in the garden. So the spiritual authority changed. God could no longer exercise his full authority, his all omnipotence, his all uh, omniscience. But that happens for only a period of time. And then you have the end of the age where Jesus comes back onto this planet, restores authority, Satan is bound, and we go back to how God intended life to be. That is the true character of God. That is the true nature of God. It is not God who is the bad guy. So people take um, bad characters, people who say they're Christians and have done evil things like this, and they think, oh, I'm going to throw the baby out to the bathwater. Oh, that must be from God because, you know, you look like this race. And we've seen on the news that people of your race a few of them, even if it's a hundred of them, have done this thing. So you start looking at all those people of that race or of that skin color in that lens. And you start to have 
uh, this judgmental attitude or discomfort around people who don't look like you. The scripture is clear. Where envy and strife is, is every evil work. Satan is good at this strategy of divide and conquer. He's good at wanting to separate people to cause strife, to cause division among people. But people don't understand the spiritual complexity of this world. So they just sit down and say, oh, why doesn't God move? Why does, if he's all power, if he's a, and I, and I was trying to tell him, listen, if we were created like robots, if God had us on a string, I would not want to serve him. If he did not give us the liberty to exercise our will, and let's say at every instant he forced you to think a certain way, he forced you to do this, we would not, we would be like, we would not be the crown jewel of his creation. We would not be created in his image. That's what separates man from animals or from all other creation. Man, it says in the beginning, God said, let us now make man in our own image. And even the angels were like, what? Who is man that thou art mindful of him, that you've created him in such a way, you've given him authority to everything that you've created? Because we were created in God's image. That means we had to have a certain degree of willpower. We don't have the same amount of willpower as God, but we're created in the God class. And after God, it's us. And that's why it's man who exercises dominion on animals, on the environment, on things around him. Do you realize that it's not us who are locked up in cages, that it's it's other animals? So people who don't understand life, and the there's a proverb that says, uh, this is a very good proverb. Uh, what does it say? It says, the simple will perish. It talks about if you seek understanding, you will leave. But if you're simple and you only look things that are at the surface level, you will perish. And there's a lot of people right now who are going to perish, who are going to have this self-righteousness that they will, it will be their detriment because they don't understand the complexity of life. There was a period before the Ten Commandments, the law of Moses, before the flood, where God had to put up with every evil thing that man was doing, you know. Now, on the other side, people will be like, well, why, you know, why, why does God restrict me? Why does God say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this? Well, do you want to know what happened when God, do you want to know what the earth was when there was no rule of law and righteousness, when there was no moral standard? Go, go to the archaeologists, go read some archives of archaeology, and you'll see what this planet was before Noah's flood. It was demonic. People were having sex with animals. Bestiality was the law of the land. All forms of sexual perversion. People were sacrificing their kids to gods of fire. People, because it says the heart of man is so evil, no one can know it. If you're left to your own self, your heart can start to imagine the most evil and vile things. That is what happened when God was saying, okay, I'm not going to touch this. And look at what happened to the creation. It was so evil and demonic. 
And he said, this is too bad. This is too much. I cannot stand this. And it grieved him that he had created man. And then he used the flood to wipe away that whole creation. You know, people, there's so many things you don't understand about life. But don't just run to, 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 to conclusions and see countries that have been going through suffering. You do not know that there is a yoke of bondage, of spiritual bondage. You do not know that their former leaders were some of these people that sacrificed to all these other gods. You see this in the, in the Bible. God basically tells this to the Israelites. He says, listen, there's spiritual laws that if you hearken unto my voice, if you do things the way I tell you to do them, you will be blessed. You will be healthy. You will be prosperous. You will live in peace and harmony. But if you go away from the instructions I'm giving you, because he's basically telling them, listen, this planet has been corrupted. And if you do other things besides what I tell you to do, you are going to run into trouble. Sickness, disease, you're going to get spiritual attack. You're going to end up in two places where you have mental illness. We have mental, this whole mental illness epidemic that has come from lawlessness where uh, all the restraints have been taken off and people have been exposed to all kinds of content, all kinds of, and their minds have been corrupted. And now we have mental illness and now we are crying out and saying people, people are, are, are committing suicide and, and all these evil things are happening. And we're saying, where is God in all of this? Well, he gave us instructions to follow and we didn't. So on one side, you cannot blame the person who's telling you, hey, listen, 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 don't do this because if you do that, there's going to be some bad things that will happen to you. And then we say, no, 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 I'm just going to go do my own thing. And now after doing your own thing and you're perishing, and now you start to curse out God and say, oh, if he has all authority and all power, why doesn't he stop this? Well, he just gave you simple instructions. He, this is what God has always been about. Good, righteousness. Go read through the scriptures. It always talks about righteousness, judgment. The word judgment and righteousness show up so many times because God is trying to say he's, he's a just God. He's always about people being ruled according to righteousness and 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 right and 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 a righteous standard of authority, not corruption, not what we see happening in the world. But do you know? You know, it's 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 this thing that God told this to the children of Israel, whom he whom he adopted. And he said, listen, you're going into a land where people do evil things. They molest. They have sexual perversions. They sacrifice their children. They do all these bad things. And the land, because of their sin, the land has spit them out. So there had to be a judgment exerted on them. Now, he tells them, if you do not want to deal with the consequences of sin just do this and you'll be safe you have to understand this world that first came sin actually first came um spiritual death 
when we were separated from the spirit of God, when Adam and Eve spiritually died, they were separated from the spirit of God. And then came sin and, and, and sickness and the floodgates of pain and poverty and suffering and death. It, I, like, you know, like, I, I don't know why, you know, like, I wish I wasn't born into certain things that I've had to go through, you know, but I showed up on the scene and someone messed up somewhere. Someone somewhere in our family, family lineage didn't listen to the statutes of God. And, and maybe that brought a spiritual curse that sent our family into something, into, you know, some burdens and whatever. And now I have to fight them. This is what they call generational curses. You are born into something that you were not responsible for. But that's life. But there's a way out. So the world is complex. Don't just be simple-minded. Understand the complexity of life before you just jump to conclusions and, and, and saying, oh, if he's all power, if he's all why does he just stop this? When you don't understand that in the past, God couldn't even look at any sin because there's all have there's none righteous, not not none. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The glory of God, any sin falls below the glory of God. So you have to understand there's been a culmination of 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 sins that have led to these things that we see in this world, this fallenness happening to us. And God had an easier way for us not to deal with it. And now the only way that he can do it would be to start cutting out cancers. And that means killing people. But he's saying, listen, I understand people don't have understanding. And I've given them a way out. Everybody needs a savior. Everybody on this planet needs a savior. Because the certain things that we deal with, we were born into and we just need to be redeemed from. We need someone to show us compassion. So this world is complex. And there are things I don't understand. And sometimes I ask God, why is this country going through this? Why? And sometimes I say, son, uh, there's something that can be done, but it has to be, someone has to take a new stance. There's a yoke on that country. There's a yoke on that family. And they just don't know any better. There are a lot of countries today that we see struggling and suffering in perpetual war. Uh, Tamwell, but here's the thing. These countries have rejected God. There are consequences to rejecting God because he's the good guy. If you reject the good guy, the bad guy is not going to help you. You know, I have compassion on some countries and some places that I keep seeing uh, evil fall upon them. But it's because their great, 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 great grandparents signed 
a covenant with evil. They did things and, and did things on that land that caused these things to come to them. And now children, generations down the line, are suffering from these consequences. But the children are even blinded because they don't even accept or acknowledge God. God cannot help you if you don't acknowledge him. And that's the problem we have today. People don't want to acknowledge God, but they want God to help him. They want to be here on this earth and do whatever the, the heck they want. Everything that satisfies their heart, they want to be able to do it. But when, when time comes for consequences, they just want God to swoop in and, and clear and, and deal with the mess. No, there's consequences to our actions. And that's where compassion comes from. I've grown in compassion because these I've had to put up with some consequences for things I did. And I told God, I said, I know you didn't put me in this situation, but you're the only one that can deliver me out of this situation. I am sorry. And I repent. I need to be saved from this situation. Show me your compassion. Show me your mercy. This is too much for me to bear. Because there's a point I reach and I understand and say, I made bad decisions. And some of those bad decisions have consequences that can linger on. And now I don't want to face I'm saying, show me mercy, pull me out of these consequences. But if I don't acknowledge God or his existence or his power and pledge allegiance to him, I am always going to face the consequences of my actions all the consequences of the actions of the people in my family that came before me. And that's what we see with some countries. They're facing consequences of things that someone did down the line. But until they acknowledge God and say, you know what, we are serving idols. The God we're serving is not the true living God. The, until we come down to that point, there will be consequences. But it takes receiving compassion from someone else to pull you out of your consequences. It takes you acknowledging that you need compassion from someone else. And trust me, this is on historical record. This is to America. This is to every country that feels like they're developed enough to keep walking in unrighteousness. Trust me. The reason why Rome is not the Rome, why Rome fell down, why all these great kingdoms that we read about fell down, why they're no longer powerful is because at a certain point, evil outrun, outruns you and brings you down. The consequences of serving idols and God's who are not the true God, they catch up with you. Babylonian Empire, uh, Rome, um, what was the one? The, 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 the former one. Um, uh, Egypt used to be. Um, modern day uh, uh, Iran used to be. Those uh, Mesopotamia. All of these regions, these were once powerful economies. But today, 
they exist in ruins. There are consequences to not obeying God's laws. Not because God wants to restrict us. No, because at in present time, until the ultimate final redemption of man, when Jesus comes back, there are consequences of sin in this planet. And evil is has um, the, the forces of darkness are still on this planet. Until they are done away with, there will be consequences. And if countries like America, like Canada, all these countries that we see in Europe, that used to be great countries, do not be surprised if they all continued their current trajectory of eliminating God from every sphere of their of their of their lives, from schools, from government, from everything, they will not exist a hundred years from now. That has always been the case. Because the goodness of, of, of they, they, there's nothing good about evil, there's nothing good about Satan, that there's longevity of any of any existence is tied to the acknowledging of God's statutes in that land. Go throughout history. You do not last very long. You do not last very long. I'm telling you, this is real. This is real stuff. So why be angry at God when in the first place you don't believe in him? You don't want anything to do with him. You want to be able to do everything that pleases your flesh. You don't want any rules or restrictions. But when it comes to the consequences of your decisions, you want God to just swoop in and wipe away the slate and just give you a clean slate every time. That's not how this works. That's why there's something called repentance, where you come and say, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. Lord, help me. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I receive your forgiveness for my sins past, present, and future. I believe that you died for me, and on the third day you resurrected again, that I will attain eternal life. That is repentance. It is changing your mind and acknowledging these non-righteous all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and these consequences to sin. It's just how this world is currently structured. But if you really want to know how the story ends, read the end of the book in revelation it shows you when the author of sin and death is put away with when satan who causes havoc on this world division strife enmity hunger poverty sickness disease all these consequences of sin and separation and spiritual death is put away with you have a brand new picture of what life will be after that. It will be beautiful. We'll go back to how God initially intended things to be. 
and there will never be any more sickness, pain, poverty, death, lack. Everything you hate about this world won't be there after this age. So I'm going to let you sell her at that. This was Unplugged. We hope this episode blessed your heart. Your host for today was Calvin Kabanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.